The Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. Paceline had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with professional cyclist Allison Tetrick, who is fresh off her podium getting third place this year at the Dirty Kansas 200 in arguably one of the most hotly contested, super arduous gravel races in the country, if not the world. Allison, who now rides for Specialized, is an amazing lifelong athlete. Having been a collegiate tennis player, a successful triathlete, and now an accomplished road and gravel racer, she's also smart, funny, down to earth, and as tough as they come. Having worked her way back from a horrendous crash in 2010 that left her with a broken pelvis and traumatic brain injury, Allison embodies perseverance and grit. And it was that very same perseverance and grit that helped her kick my and a whole bunch of other people's butts last year as she won the Dirty Kanza. This year, Allison returned to Kanza to cowgirl up and try to defend her gravel queen crown. We caught up with her to see how it went down. Hi, Allison. Oh, good morning. Well, first of all, congratulations on your podium position. Uh, it looked super epic out there. I, uh, I want to talk about your race and how it all went. I, it, it seemed like there were a lot of twists and turns. Uh, but before we get to that, I have to indulge my bike geeks in the house. And uh, I know you're with a new sponsor and you love your specialized Diverge. And I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about your new rig and how you outfitted it for the day. Yeah, I was super excited to come back to Dirty Kansas, of course, having a little more preparation and experience, knowing what to expect. And, you know, as I've transitioned from a full pro road schedule to now uh, a gravel athlete, if, if that's a thing, um, <laughs> <is> a thing. <laughs> with uh, Specialized and some other amazing partners like SRAM, uh, Speedplay, Lasagne, Chamois Butter, Orange Shield, you know, Camelback. I mean, all very important things we need for these adventure style racing. So, I have had so much fun geeking out with Specialized because, you know, very large bike company, a lot of incredibly smart people working there, engineers and product designers creating some really cool stuff. So I rode a Specialized S-Works Diverge, um, and I kept a lot of the other things the same. So I rode the same pedals. I rode Scissor pedals by Speedplay. Um, I, I rode the same gearing from SRAM. I rode a SRAM Force 1 by with a 44 mm -hmm. front chainring and a 1042 in the back. I used a cork power meter. Um, it was kind of cool to transition to 700C wheels. So I, I used Roval. Ask, yeah. yeah, that was awesome. Roval CLX 32 wheels with uh, the trigger 38 millimeter tires. So, I mean, this bike really rides a lot like my road bike. And I will admit, being a gravel queen now, um, I still am pretty much a complete roadie. I really love to train on the road. I love the way my road bike fits and feels and responds. So riding this Diverge was pretty awesome because I, I could kind of feel like I have a very similar road setup. I can train on it more. I can go on my group ride, you know, throw slicks on it and go out my group ride on it and get more comfortable on this bike. Um, I also stayed with Lazine. And so last year um, I used Lazine for the GPS and all the tools and ball cages and the same thing for this year. And for those of you um, listening that may not be familiar with how the Dirty Kansas navigation works, there aren't any course markings. So 
you download <laughs> the TCX file and you're just out in the plains and, and you, you don't have to want to go off course. You do not no. want to go off course. <laughs> no, people get lost out there and every road looks the same. And so it's, um, yeah, you use a turn by turn directions and, and a lot of times people have problem with battery life, but you know, I'm, I'm out there 11 half, 12 hours, you know, this, this year a little longer and using turn by turn on that Lasagne GPS, um, you know, I'm still finishing at like 70% battery. So really that is you amazing. Have... Like that's actually <laughs> amazing. People run out way before that often. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty awesome um, to be able to use the same computer again um, this year. Same thing, finishing with a lot of battery life, you know, like over like almost 70%, you know, and I used it over 12 hours using turn by turn GPS navigation. So, and of course, then I can also look at my heart rate, power from the cork, you know, and look at all the other data points if I need to, but I really tend to fixate on the navigation. So the bike was super, super cool. Um, and, you know, that S-Works diverge. I mean, I have it like 17 pounds. It's, it's a crazy gravel rig. <laughs> I know. Incredible. So it's, um, it's been awesome, you know, and, and still running tubeless. And for me, the first time at Kansas last year was my first time running tubeless. Um, now I'm just completely sold due to all my road bikes and everything using orange steel. But I actually don't know how to change a flat for tubeless now because I've never flatted. So oh. on wood, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I've been so lucky. <laughs> Did that, was that in your head at all when you were out there? <laughs> um yes but yeah, uh, you're in the foothills, right you'd be like oh if I well maybe somebody will help me I don't yeah I, I I'm sure I can figure it out you know I'm, I'm a smart person yeah yeah, yeah you, you, are. You, you don't want to um you don't want any mechanicals if possible of course but you and you are prepared but it's, it's always you never know how you're going to respond in that moment but the, the setup was awesome and then as far as hydration goes I mean I used goo, um, you know, a lot of goo roctane, of course, which is really um, famous for being really good for these long endurance events, mm -hmm. considering it has the BCAs and amino acids and all the electrolytes in there. Um, and I was really worried about the weather, so I was trying not to, I was trying to at least set up myself as well as I could to not cramp, although I have a history of cramping and humidity. So trying to work with our nutritionist for that. Um, and then for hydration, also using the Camelback Chase Vest in particular, and then two Camelback bottles on the bike. And last year at the Dirty Kanza, I wore a prototype of the Camelback Chase Vest. And what that is, it's kind of a really cool design that fellow Petaluma residents and Dirty Kanza winner Yuri Hoswald helped design. Mm -hmm. um, but it's kind of a hybrid between their running vest and their more traditional like mountain bike vest. So the, when you put on this Chase Vest, it's really intuitive. to It, it fits high. You can still get into your jersey pocket. It also has pockets in it that are very similar to your jersey pockets, so they're really intuitive for you to, you know, grab extra nutrition out of. And it still has a, a good-sized bladder, 1.5 liters, and uh, so you can still carry extra water that way. So you don't um, fill that at checkpoints. You have extras, like, yeah. Last year, I, last year I, I had only had one other Camelback because I had one running vest and one chase vest because I didn't have the chase vest out yet. So I was, I was switching them out so I could have the chase vest as long as possible, you know, uh -huh. for checkpoints. But this year, being a little bit of the gravel queen, spoiled princess I am, I started with four chase vests. <laughs> so Excellent. I, um, yes, I started with the chase vest and I marked each chase vest for each checkpoint for my support crew, one, two, and three. I pre-filled the bladders with Roctane and, you know, nutrition in there and then emergency supplies. And, and just in case all went wrong, I also had each uh, section of the maps and the cue cards laminated and cut for me in the each chase vest for um, each checkpoint, just in case, you know, all hell breaks loose and your phone doesn't work and your GPS doesn't work and you're lost in a cattle pasture somewhere. 
That's super uh, smart. <laughs> yep. And then in my pocket still, I stuffed, uh, you know, normal nutrition. And I, I actually carried my phone with me um, and had it off, of course. But just in case of emergency, you can still use Ride with GPS for navigation on right, your phone right. if you have service. You know, there's all sorts of things you can do. But, um, yes, yeah, so I still use my pockets. I'm, I'm not wearing a skin suit. I'm wearing just a typical jersey and shorts, high performance, nice specialized kit, and that camelback. And so I can fill my pockets and also have emergency supplies in, in each vest. So we had, it, we had it pretty dialed, you know. And, of course, at each aid station, there's the emergency bourbon or beer or, <laughs> you know, donuts. <laughs> yeah, animal cookies. So <laughs> Just in case things go south. Yeah. Like, I know. I need to make sure when things go south or they're not going according to plan, I, I do tend to – I get I, I run a lot – very high on emotions. I'm a very um, excitable person, so <laughs> I need I need to make sure oh, I don't take myself – Bourbon to take the edge off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, bourbon to, to remind myself to not take myself so seriously and to enjoy the day or, you know, just if I need to – to just like, okay, things aren't going the way. Let's, let's hit the reset button and, and have fun and, and smile at people, you know? So it, it was really awesome to have a lot of the equipment. I think another interesting addition I made um, this year was I actually wore the Specialized Evade helmet. I've never owned an Aero oh, Road okay. helmet before. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I actually think it's, you know, it's quite a bit faster to wear that. I mean, just it's just little distance, like little subtle differences like that. Um, and there, it's the Evade too, so it's new, newer. And I, I wore a black helmet in that heat, and it, they said the ventilation was better, and it was. I mean, my hot, my head didn't overheat. I cool. was perfectly fine, and I do think I got some aerodynamic advantages from that, too. Speaking of aerodynamic advantages, uh, you did not rock aero bars, which were such a hotly contested uh, topic, or, or did you? Like, what, what's your thought on the whole aero bar gate controversy? <laughs> you can quote me on this, but I will never ride aero bars in a mass start event. <laughs> um, I... I actually, um, funny though, I, I, I am a time trialist as a, as a background, you know, that's right, my kind right. of my forte on the road. I've spent a lot of time in aero bars and very, I'm very proficient in riding aero bars. I understand the importance of aerodynamics. I get it. Um, that's not news to me. What I, I, I really do like for safety aspects, um, you know, I don't want to really be following somebody on a gravel road, um, in aero bars because the road is not as predictable as asphalt. <laughs> So um, sketchy, right? You hit a de- deep patch of gravel and you're not, it's not going to go well. No. And you can't predict where that is. You don't, you, you can try, but you know, there's, there's all sorts of things that can happen. I've, I've meddled at the world championships and the team time trial. So I am comfortable enough, enough to medal at world following hmm. people in aero bars, but um, you know, on gravel, I think that that's just adding a little bit of a risk factor. Now, maybe if I'm doing a, a time trial myself on there, I would may consider it if I felt the gravel was smooth enough. But for me, I want to make sure I can put out power in the position I'm in. So I actually did go to the wind tunnel with Specialized on my on my Diverge, which is amazing. Wow. Yeah. And we did look at aero bars and we did look at these things. But ultimately, I need to be comfortable. So I want to put out a lot of power and yes, aerodynamics does matter because you are on your bike for 12 hours, but your speeds are also quite a bit lower. So, right, you know, right. Ted, even Ted setting the record, and I have the record out there as well. I didn't ride aero bars for the record. He did. But still, your, your speeds are under 20 miles an hour. So you're not yeah, doing yeah. anything blazingly fast. So there are some arguments that aero bars do benefit over 12, 13 miles an hour. However, how much time are you actually spending in those aero bars? Um, like I said, so you have to make sure like maybe Ted's very confident and he's, he's great. He's a great advocate because he understands the risks and the reward of it. And he's yeah, very yeah. open to, 
to it. So I really like his, his vantage point of it. And I would agree with him. Like, I understand why you would want them. I personally won't because I don't know if I would actually even be comfortable enough on my own in that gravel <laughs> to be in it because I tend to bulldoze things in general. Like when I ride, like I'm, I'm not a delicate, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. delicate rider. <laughs> so, I mean, nothing I do on a bike is pretty. So it's for me, I don't want to have my head down in arrow bars and bulldoze that one flint rock that cuts your sidewall. I like to, I want to be kind of sitting a little more upright. I want to make sure I'm getting a lot of lung, like a lot of air to my lungs and seeing the clearest path to, you know, to try to avoid that inevitable flat tire that will happen. So yeah. Um, I did see quite a few people in error bars in the pack and I'm not going to lie. That made me nervous. I, I, I don't know those people, so I'm not comfortable around them. They're not my teammates of the team time trial there. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, I I <laughs> and you don't have the road memorized, you know, you don't know exactly where each loose gravel section or what rock is going to flip and cause you to, to move and where you don't have any shifting or break, con- breaking control. So. Gotcha. So let, let's go to race day because um, this year was, was was quite a bit different from last year, wouldn't you say? I mean, how how bananas were you watching that weather? Like it was supposed to be a billion degrees and then the forecast was changing and then like a tornado, well, not a tornado, but a crazy storm ripped through and delayed the whole race. Like how do you, how do you prepare for that? How do you process it? Yeah, I think you, you know, you, I don't ever check the Kansas weather until a week before or so because – you check it, you know, two weeks before, I mean, everything changes in Kansas this time of year, you know, it's going to be from a tornado to an ice storm to like a heat wave. I mean, you have no idea what's coming. So I don't panic, you know, you need to be prepared for everything. Um, but then coming into race day, I mean, no one even predicted that storm was coming through like the Friday, the day before the race, it was just hot as hell out there. I mean, it was so hot. And like I said, I was a little nervous about the heat and the humidity. So I'd already worked with goo and had a good plan about that. But then I wake up at 4.30 the morning, the morning of the race, and I can just hear, like, tree branches falling and, like, <laughs> hail, and I'm going, what on earth just happened? And my first thought, of course, was to worry about my, my dear friends, uh, Rebecca oh, Russ yeah. and Yuri Hoswald out there in the DKXL. So they had left 12 hours ago to do 350 miles, and I, like, immediately go straight to my phone and don't even look at, like, I, well, actually, no, first I looked. That's all the weather warnings. My flow, like my phone is doing those red weather advisory. <laughs> alerts. Up. Seek shelter. You're like, okay. Yeah. And you see this, like, you know, one of those radar things. And it's just like, there's no green. It's like not even red. They like put a new <laughs> color. It was like maroon, you know, I'm like, color. that's not even red. That's like darker than red. I'm like, what is this? It's like purple. Like what is going on here? And so then of course I looked at tracking to see where Yuri and Rebecca were out in the plains during that weather. Cause I was super worried about them and, Yuri's and tracking wasn't working. And it was so broken. Text- he was at 124 yeah. forever, right? And I was just yeah. like, I was yeah. text- I texted his wife, you know, like, uh-huh. like, I should be like getting ready to race. But I'm like, Vanessa, how is Yuri? And she's like, it's broken. Don't worry, the lies. And I was like, oh, thank heavens, you know. <laughs> so they ended up um, postponing the race 30 minutes, which was um, definitely the smart decision because the storm only rolled through for about 38 minutes. But who's counting? Right. And, um, <laughs> and so I'm like thinking, how muddy can those roads get in 38 minutes? Um, and they delayed the race, which was great. I just thought, you know, people had to seek shelter, all of that. I got there pretty late cause I had a call up. So I got there at five forty-five, you know, just expecting to go straight yeah. to the start line and go. And there's no one at the start line, which as you know, is weird because there's 2,500 people out there and everyone wants to be at the front. <laughs> and the street was just a ghost town. But you wow. see all these bikes laying in the How middle of the road. How weird was that? 
It was so weird. I'm like, did I miss the start? Did the oh rapture happen? <laughs> like, where are the rapture? They're all gone. They're all gone. <laughs> It wasn't was. biblical, like a, it was. It was a sport, like a series of storm of like biblical, like biblical proportions. Like you wow. had no, like it was just nuts. You had lightning everywhere, and and all of a sudden, like I get to the streets. I kid you not, like there's just thousands of bikes just like laying down in the middle of the road in downtown Emporia, and I'm like, where is everybody? I hopped in a car, and you know, I'm fortunate if everyone went like in buildings, and I, I read that uh, Laura, Ted's wife, and him were in like the tattoo parlor. Like businesses were opening up and letting people seek shelter. Wow. <laughs> um. So, yeah, it was kind of a crazy start, and we started 30 minutes later, and, you know, I, I'm okay with that. I mean, it does kind of screw up your preparation, but I did, um, you know, just think to myself I could have slept in it until I woke up at 5 versus 4.30. Right. <laughs> but there you are. So that, I, I guess, that in some ways takes a little bit of the edge off the start, though, right? Like, I mean, you all then just line up, and it's your day is already sort of like a little – off kilter so away we go right I mean how did that affect your start yeah I mean I kind of was happy I got to go to the bathroom a few more times <laughs> um <laughs> you know I sat I, I sat in a you know in the neutral support car and so I, I mean I had shelter and I was just you know maybe you adjust your tire pressure at that point maybe you don't um did you? I try um the mechanic did yeah. I I'm going to tell you with me and tire pressure I get very nervous about it so I unfortunately usually do not know what tire pressure I'm running. I let somebody else make that decision because I will second guess myself. And coming from a road background, I, I, it does not, that cannot fathom riding 35, you know. That's awesome. PSI. That's really funny. Like, that I I, I'm like, ask. shouldn't it be like 38, like maybe 40? Like, <laughs> you know, last year, I, I still don't know because I wanted to ride 45, but I had 650s on last year. So I, I want to ride 45 because I thought 42 sounded too low. And I want to go fast. Fast. So I think fast is like higher tire pressure. And on right. the road, I don't ride super high, like 90 or something like that, you know, 90 to 92. I like, and I know my road tire pressure all the time, but the gravel tire pressure freaks me out. And I just want somebody else to do the research and make the decision. Else I am going to ask all 2,500 people, take a poll, make an Excel spreadsheet <laughs> and make a graph. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm still not going to know. So I, um, I, I have, I, I make a joke that I started gravel racing to decrease pressure in my life, including tire pressure, but I, I don't want to know it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really funny. <laughs> so the race, I think, like, usually breaks down into into the four checkpoints, right? Like, you have the, the, the first start, the start's always bananas, and now it's even more bananas because you, you're a half hour later and you had the storm. So are you at the pointy end from the beginning? Are you working with Ted? You know, are you with the other women? Like, take me through, like, just that first, you know, the start of that race. Yeah, my goal is, is to break it up. You know, I think going through um, going through the start as hard as possible is, is a good thing. You get free speeds from being the top men. And coming from my road racing background, you know, I can excel at that section, you know, the, even the bursts of stuff like, you know, bursts of surging and things like that. So we started, and, and the race was hard at the, from the beginning. I mean, it was very fast. We had a tailwind, though, and the winds were pretty substantial. So I felt like my effort wasn't as high as it was last year, but my speeds, I think, were fairly, fairly high through mm-hmm. there. Um, and then I think, I mean, you know, this course quite well, but it starts out like pretty flat with some turns and it, it's just very chaotic and there's really nowhere to hide because you can't really slow down and go to the back because the back is almost like a mile behind you. Like, right. so it's not like you have a safe place to go to like calm down. So you kind of have to fight the chaos for the first at least 15, 20 miles uh, right. until it starts breaking up. I was hoping it would break up 
because I, I then I can at least calm down and I'm going very hard and I'm suffering, but at least I'm not fighting for my position as much as I am at the beginning. And you know this, but they did end up having to reroute us around, yeah, I'm guessing it was around mile 10. Yeah. And there was a big, big, these big rollers that, that you hit maybe about 10, 11 miles in and it's a left turn and the road gets a little smaller and it's very steep and it's just kind of this little roller coaster section and it's kind of technical, yeah. Yeah, but it, it's so hard because of the steepness of the climb and position matters. It usually thins it out, and they had to reroute us because I mean we all would have had to walk up it. It was just a muddy disaster. So it was funny though. We're like going flying in. I'm I'm kind of fighting for that position, getting ready for that left turn, and then you just see this line of like ranchers and these big lifted jeeps, like telling cheering for us. We're like, hey, you guys are blocking the road. This is where we're <laughs> supposed to turn, and they're like, go, it's rerouted, go straight, go straight. And I'm thinking okay, are all the people I care about present and accounted for? All right, you know, is Kendall right, right. going straight? Is Katie going straight? You know, man, okay, I guess we're all going straight. You know, I'm looking like, all right, the race is going straight. And we were off course for the next eight, nine miles, and we're just getting redirected by random people. Wow. But I guess there's, you know, that lemming, lemming uh, mentality, there's safety in numbers. I'm like, I guess this is the way the race is going. So I'm happy they did that. I mean, I do think it kept the race together a little longer, but I do think that would have just been complete carnage on bikes, bodies, minds everything from the get-go. So we entered, re-entered the course several miles later and skipped kind of that hike-a-bike section, which was nice. And I think the race then, I don't know, I did see some men attacking and, you know, surging, whether it's like the Panner Racer team or, you oh, know, right, some right. guy just wanting, wanting to say he got in front of Jens Voigt. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Jens actually sat on the front for a fair amount in the front, like going pretty hard. I think he just was having fun out there. Um, so, you know, I don't know what they were doing, just surging or attacking or whatever, but the, the race started getting pretty hard between 18 and 30 miles is, is where the front group ended up getting pretty established. Um, I think uh, Katie and myself were the only women present in there and looking at the photos earlier this morning, actually, it looks like, um, the group probably was about 50 ish, maybe a little bit more, like maybe up to 70, but you know, it wasn't a huge group, but it was manageable and it was going pretty good clip there into checkpoint one. And I, I know you're familiar with checkpoint one, but it's around 50-ish miles, a little under. And to me, it's the most chaotic checkpoint. You know, your speeds are pretty high going into it. Yep. No one's quite tired yet. And so a lot of a people. Pretty, a lot of people, big yeah. group. And then there's this wall, and you've got <laughs> this brick climb in Madison. And it's it's like cobblestones almost, right? It's like yeah, crazy, it is, yeah. Yeah, it is just like this crazy hard wall into one of the most technical entries into the checkpoints because you like go through a school, but you're going through like a field, you like go through a fence. Like you have to go through this one section for sure single <laughs> file. And so it's like, to me, a little more like a cycle cross race. I mean, it's for like a kilometer, but me like not an alley cat almost, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. where are we going? I know. I'm like, where are we going? Yeah. I remember last year being so confused because there, you're not on a road. You're literally like riding through like a soccer field yep, and like yep, through a chain yep. link fence and you just climb this wall and I had kind of gotten in this cluster at the bottom of the wall and, and I'd gotten, um, we kind of got taken off course for a second, like half the group and the other half went right. And you just had that one thing, that lemming kind of chaotic mentality. So I had to sprint up the wall to try to make sure I stayed in the front group. And what I didn't maybe plan for as well, I knew that the first checkpoint was very fast as it was last year, but uh, I think Ted spent 10 seconds in that first checkpoint and I didn't quite prepare for that. I spent 30 <laughs> seconds, but it kind of put me on my back foot in between checkpoint one and two because they went through that and raced through it so fast. It was really hard to chase back on and make up that deficit on those roads. So I think that was so kind of one of the turning points. you didn't catch back on or you did catch back on? 
I did, but by the time I did, I had burned quite a few matches, and it was crickets behind me. So I, oh. I, I Katie, Katie was chasing real hard too, and I was in a second chase group behind her, gotcha. and the guys didn't sit up, and so it was a lot of yo-yoing. And, and by the time I did, I mean, I got blown out the back door like pretty quickly after that, you know. And it had been a lot of just heavy breathing and counting. And I, I tell people I count when I go really hard because that's the only thing I, I can think too. of. And I. And I literally, Celine, could not get past one. I was just going, one, <laughs> one. I knew I could make it to three, but I could only make it to, to one. That's awesome. <laughs> so I guess that counts as counting. I'm not sure. But yes. I know. I know. I was like, I, I just say a number. As a word. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was like, this is so bad. Usually, you must be in a spot of bother. So, I mean, looking at my, my heart rate later, I mean, it was hitting max there. And, I mean, I was going really hard. And at one point, I finally thought, you know, I can't keep chasing this and, and getting blown out. Um, I have to start riding my own race. So I did end up by myself a little sooner than I had planned on to. I think Katie was in the second chase group, and she, I think, eventually caught on for a fair bit before her and Luke pulled the plug on that. But I think I I couldn't do it anymore. I thought, you know, this is really a long way to go. I'm still at 140, you know, whatever, 140. 30 miles to go yeah, or something, that you know, or, right? yeah. Or, or, yeah, it's like, it was a long way to go at that point. So I ended up by myself a little sooner than I wanted to. And that's when all of a sudden, like, I just heard Simon Garfunkel in my head and I was like, Oh, hello, darkness, my old friend. We meet again out here. So <laughs> it was, it was a, a little more brutal than I wanted to a little sooner than I wanted to. But, um, I was trying to be smart knowing the duration of the race and expecting to race hard for the first hundred. But I think I was, pulling, doing a little too much surging with yeah. those chase groups than I felt were going to be beneficial for me later. Um, I did, I don't know if you ever do this, but I, I, I start making nicknames for people in my head. Um, <laughs> just cause you know, you like it's their kid or the way they ride or their bike or the yeah. sticker they have. And there was this guy in this, this bright green kit with a bright orange helmet. And I was like, Oh, he's like Mr. Alien man. He looks like an alien. And I was like, literally was telling him like, take me to your leader. Like who says that? Like, That's awesome. I, I just had it in my head, you know, it's just like, you think funny things. He was a wonderful guy, but I was like, this must be like, I just was like latched onto his wheel for a little bit. And then he started going too hard. And I ended up seeing him later when he finally cramped. I knew, I knew that it would all come for everybody. The pace it was pretty come. high. You're like, there's like, there's about five people that can actually do this forever. And I'm going to tell you, the rest of you can't do this. <laughs> this is too hard. <laughs> they just don't know. They don't know until they know. Yeah. <laughs> So was it kind of uneventful to the hundred mile checkpoint or? Yeah, I, I, um, into the hundred miles, like I said, I, I was kind of could see the front group at least and taking time splits. So I was pretty motivated, but then also trying to find my own race. Um, there weren't a ton of people coming really hard behind me. So that was, you know, it was pretty crickets. Like you look back hoping to see a group of five yeah, or six yeah. or 10 or something. And as you know, in those Hills, I mean, you can see forever, Forever. And it was just, it was nothing. And I was like, no. And and I could see the group in front of me, but to close that would just cost way too much energy. So I, I found a little darkness a little earlier than I wanted to. Um, and, and you know, this is going to be a very bad sign, but I started feeling my first twinge of a cramp at around mile 78, 80. Ooh. And that's ugly because oh. last year that didn't start till you know, 165, 168, where you expect that to happen. And around what, mile 180, I, I got a little chill, and it's like 90 degrees oh. out, right? Oh, that's the worst. And, that's actually the worst. And, and I you're looked like, down, oh, I could I, use a sweater. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I had goosebumps, and I was like, this is a problem. This is definitely a problem. So 
Um, and then I felt my stomach and it was like cold and I was like, uh, uh huh, this is a problem. So I knew I needed to then start kind of riding my own race there for sure. And, um, you know, some, some guys passed me, I tried it latch on again. And then it was just like, nope, nope, this is a little too hard. Any sort of surges started hurting. So I really went into the taking care of yourself mode. I, you know, down the rest of my camelback with the goo roctane in it, chugged my bottles, you know, took, took the elect, you know, electrolyte tabs and goo and anything I could like think of just so that might help. And then try to stay as relaxed as possible, taking deep breaths, doing these big, like, I don't know, freight train breathing, like, you know, big yeah, breathing out all the carbon dioxide and imagining yeah. all the oxygen. Did you actually yeah. cramp or did you keep it at bay? Um, you know, there was a, the twinges at that point, the real cramps didn't start happening until later, but you know, it was carnage. I, I started passing, you know, I passed Jens during that time. Oh, wow. He cheered for me. It was very sweet. Like he was, he was definitely in a spot of bother. I knew, I knew the pace was high in front of me because of the, the people I were passing were definitely not ones that could help me at all at that point. <laughs> they were, they were seeing stars. So it, it, the pace had been high. Um, and so I tried to stay calm and, and not panic, but you know, my, my tendency was like, Oh my goodness, Allison, you were going to end up on the side of the road and not finish like, well done, yeah, you know, and you yeah. start going to that negative self-talk, <laughs> yeah. like way to go. But you know, the, everyone's going to get in that spot of panic and, and where you just kind of feel that anxiety and your, you know, your chest kind of constricts and you're like, my day's over. My life sucks. This is the worst decision I've ever made. You're stupid. You, know, you say all these things and you know, I know, I know everyone knows yeah, that they've done this. It's not just me. <laughs> and, yep. and then they're like, everyone does that. So I think something that you can think of is that everyone's done that and, and will do that at one point in the event. It's just a matter of how quickly you can recenter yourself. So entering checkpoint two, you know, how quickly can I, you know, get all the calories I need, get all the preparation, get out yeah. of there as quickly as possible and also stay as calm as possible. And that's much easier to be said than done because then as I'm still in checkpoint two going, it's okay, Allison, be calm, get what you need. You know, let's try to get this mud out of your tires. so Your <laughs> wheels actually move, you know, cause we had done a pretty significant little hike in that section and you're, we rode through some mud that had gotten glued up. So no one's tires are spinning. Well, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's not pretty. And I'm just trying to tell myself how calm I am. This is going to be great. You know, you're now you're hitting the hardest section of the course. And then I see Amanda come in to the checkpoint as I'm like, you know, and you're like, oh my rainbow. God, I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. I'm in like rainbows and butterflies. <laughs> to like thunder, lightning and like tornadoes and swear words. And, you know, then I just like exit checkpoint as fast as I can and start riding as fast as I can into between checkpoint two and three, which I mean, as you know, but between two and three, I consider the hardest part of the course because that's Between the checkpoints, yep. yeah, it's, it's about 64 miles. And all the other ones are a little 50 or a little under 50 or, you know, right around that. So they're a solid three-ish hours for me in between. Yep. And this one is, it's a four, you know, over four hours in between. And literally you need to carry, I think, an extra bottle. I stopped twice, yes. you know, for roadside assistance because I, I ran yeah. out of fluid. Yeah, you can't. Thank God for the farmers. It. Yeah, you can't oh, do yeah. it. No. Uh, so, it, and it's, I think the road is probably the most, um, unmaintained in that section, you start doing a little more like kind of dirt double tracks, like ranch roads. It's not as like pure gravel ish. It's a little more rutted and the rollers are a little elevation, insane. right? Like long, yeah. long rollers. And was it windy at that point? Oh like, my there goodness. was terrible wind, right? This there, yeah, it was sustained 25 to 28 oh, mile an hour oh winds. And for 85 miles of the course, you're riding into a block headwind. So That's, wow, it was not a pretty day. I, I was like, well, no matter what, no one's going to break my record from last year. No, no one's going true. as fast as I did last year. That's 
for sure, including me. <laughs> so, I mean, that was kind of a fun thing to think about. Um, and yeah, so that, that's like one of the harder sections of the course. So I knew at that point, um, Amanda was a couple minutes back, but last year I had 12 minutes on her and she put nine, 10 minutes into me on that section. Cause if you're in a strong group and you're now hitting your second wind, as you start the second half of the course and you're more motivated, you can feel great. But if you've rolled the dice a little bit and, and ended up in not in your favor in the first hundred. Now you're really just going to start losing major time to people that were maybe a little smarter than you and took yeah, better yeah. care of themselves in the beginning. And you can so lose I was, major yeah, time. Yeah. That like, I knew that from last year. I knew Amanda liked that section. So knowing that she's only a couple minutes behind me, I actually wasn't running scared from her as much as I was like, Oh man, this is good. Like I actually think, cause Katie wasn't too far, maybe eight, eight minutes or something. I'm going to get, that's so doable when you still have a hundred miles to go. There's still oh, so much yeah. that can happen. I was like, this is good. You know, this is going to be really good. We've got ourselves a bike race, ladies and gentlemen, like, this is great. And then Amanda, um, I could see her coming and she had a group. So I, I was actually like pretty happy about that. I'm like, Oh, thank heavens. You know, I'm going to keep riding my race, but by the time they eventually catch me, I'm going to sit on and then we're going to, we're going to work together and we're going to at least then like reshuffle this deck in this bike race. And, uh, so she came, they came along and I, I hopped on and she's looking back and I'm sitting like two or three bike lengths off the back and I am going, uh, oh, uh, oh, <laughs> this is a little too hard. And, and they were going at a really good clip. And I, I don't usually look at power or heart rate or anything during this. Cause I kind of want to go off a of feel. And also I'm terrified once again, of getting lost out there in the ranch land. So I'm looking at my navigation the whole time and looking at the road and looking not to flat or, you know, fall off my bicycle. But I did start change my screen on my design to look at power, and I thought, okay, now I want to know what we're doing. I was looking at the power, and my power was a lot higher than I had anticipated doing at that point in the race, and my heart rate was very significantly high, and I thought, okay, this is actually a little too hard for me. I mean, I think they're going to catch her, but I don't think this is sustainable for another, right. you know, five, six hours. Like, this is, this is probably a little too much. And once again, I went back into that survival mode and I thought, you know, I, I'm going to end up on the side of the road, not finishing if I keep it at this pace. And I started feeling those twinges again and she keeps looking back and I'm kind of yo-yoing again. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> oh. And so they, they ended up dropping me and I was maybe about 90 seconds, two minutes back into the, the big water crossing, the one you have to walk yep. across, yep. Which, which is actually like kind of terrifying because it's on this really slick, mossy, uh, like plate I rock. I people I go down. Know. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like a little, like, first of all, this is the awkwardest picture of me, like trying to carry my bike. Apparently I have no idea what cyclocross is or how to carry a bike across water. And I'm like prancing across it. And I'm kind of complaining the whole time going, I don't want to fall. Where are we going? You know? And, and they tell me, oh, Amanda's only 90 seconds in front and Katie's four and a half from there minutes. And I'm like, oh man. And I'm like, but I know Amanda just dropped me. And they're right. like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's okay, man. That, that, that stuff happens out here. Yep, and, and, and so I actually get caught by these, these guys and I, um, I'm going along with them probably cause I was prancing across the water crossing getting lost. And I started going with these guys and I, um, I, I guess you don't point out things when you're riding in gravel cause there's things everywhere, but I end up hitting like a dead armadillo and I like, Oh, <gasps> I like go over a dead armadillo on this descent and I like flick. And so my whole body, you know, jolts and kind of like flinches with like, and you didn't keep cramp it up. up then? No. And then I start cramping then I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Again. yeah. Cause 
that's what makes you cramp is like the yes. jolts. Like yes. it was the descending that was hard. Like oh, because you're goodness. descending. And I hit this and I'm like, why didn't I they think call you out? point like, out an armadillo? Can I just break and say I know you don't point out things in a gravel race, but if it's a dead armadillo, put a finger down and say you know, or yell, armadillo. armadillo. Yeah. <laughs> so I hit it and I like twitch, you know, you like kind of flick your hips and try yeah. to like, you know, keep the bike upright. I kept it upright, thank heavens. I felt the crunch. It was disgusting. And, oh, and then my, my like Lord. legs start cramping and I was starting to like going, Oh no, you know, all is lost again. And I, and they kind of look back, sorry. And I'm like, yeah, whatever guys. Anyway. And then I look up the road and I see him and, um, I see like some of the, I don't know, we'll call it carnage. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. It's just like all the shrapnel that's like left from these groups that have been going so hard. And I see these two guys that Amanda had been riding with and I see them on the side of the road in full cramps, you know? And I'm going, I told you so. You guys were going too yep. hard, yep. you know? And now I'm thinking, oh, no, she's only out there with one or two. This is going to be harder, you know, keep this pace. And then sure enough, I look up the road, and I see her by herself. And she now has entered her 40 minutes of darkness, as she calls it. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I, I, I passed her, and, and I'm going, oh, no, you know. And, and, and so the race wasn't looking good into checkpoint three for either of us. And I think we both... I told her, come on with me. And she just looked at me and, you know, that hollow candy yes, gaze yes, you get. Yeah. I was like, nope, I'm going to leave her now. She's she's going to have her own time. It's she's okay. not going to do you any good at that, at that point. <laughs> I know. I think she appreciated the encouragement, but she was definitely that, that like, you know, 206-mile stare. It's yeah. just like the eyes are open, but they are not seeing anything. And I was like, oh, you, oh gosh. I, I had just been there, so I got it. Um, and that then takes us into checkpoint three, which – I was still ahead of Amanda, but I knew at that point, you know, I was, I was going to come in for a, a solid second place, but, you know, knowing the, with the wind and the way that race was done, it was, it was very different. Last year I had, you know, a stronger group of guys behind me that were, you know, coming in at least at ones and twos of, of really motivated guys that had done probably a better job taking care of themselves in the morning. Yeah. But in this race, I don't know if it's just the mud and the wind and all of that, like it was a big trail like it was just a trail of tears and shrapnel and you know onesies and twosies and people just with hollow hollow <laughs> looks and and bodies that were not performing any well so it anymore so it was a it was a slog you know from then on so it was it was it was an interesting going into checkpoint three <laughs> and what then you come out of checkpoint three and who are you are you by yourself still or like I, I left checkpoint three by myself um i did catch um a guy named jake met him um works for envy apparently and it was so funny we actually rode together around the same time as we did the year before so it was funny he's like i remember you from last year oh, and i'm like i barely remember you can, can i draft you i'll pull like can we work together and he was riding side by side asking me you know relationship questions and life stuff and i would like literally go jake I like you, but you either need to ride in front of me or behind me because if we don't work together, we're never going to freaking finish. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to the coffee shop here. Like, <laughs> And he's like, oh, man, so much for entertaining me. I'm like, I've been by myself a long time. I don't want entertainment right now. I just want to finish. <laughs> so <laughs> I, we're still friends. We, we saw each other good, afterwards. Good, I, don't good, think, good. I don't think I was too mean. <laughs> So then at the finish, what, how did that, like, I, there was a mechanical. And then I'm coming in and I'm so close. I mean, you can see downtown Emporia, which of course they like, 
you take a right and left and, and you're like avoiding downtown Emporia, even though you can see the water towers, you're like, I'm almost there like <laughs> 10 miles away. Yep, and then yep. you take a right and you're like, no, if I just took a left, I would I know, get to town. Heartbreaking. <laughs> and so I can see it coming, but I, I ready. I can see way behind me. I know I'm going to get second and I know Katie, I know I can't catch Katie. Like I don't see her. There's not enough time. I'm don't have anybody. Like it's not going to happen. So I'm like, okay, you're going to get second. And I was already starting to write like my cycling tips blog. I was like, okay, you know, lightning (laughs) doesn't strike twice, you know, and I'm making all these little innuendos. I think it's funny. I'm having like this really great experience where it's like almost euphoria. It's peace. You're accepting the situation. You're feeling positive. You're feeling powerful. You're like, you know what? I did a good job today. This is good. And I'm riding along and then, um, my wheel my front wheel just goes click, 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 you know, it just does this whole dramatic thing. And, um, my, my through axle actually came unthreaded. My wheel locks up. I almost oh, endo and I'm like sitting there going, what in the world just happened? So it's just, it's just kind of a fluke mechanical. Um, but it's one of those things that you're out there. And as you know, like you can have your bike perfectly prepared and, Everything can be yep. torque to spec. Everything yep. can be right. But you have just put everything through the limit. So, you know, it rattles your fillings out. And apparently my it definitely screwed up and rattled out my, my through axle and was almost stripping it to an extent. Like so much wow. gunk had gotten in there. Or maybe it was the mud. Or like since during the early sections, the mud was causing your wheels not to turn. So you were really trying to torque your yeah, – your, yeah. I think a lot of things just got really torqued in there. So I thought it was actually broken. Um, I did get it fixed. I just spent a, a, a fair amount on, on the side of the road, which was, which, which was disappointing. And I watched Amanda pass me, you know, like five, six, seven minutes later or whatever. And I thought I cheered her on. Would you go get a girl? Like what else am <laughs> I going to do? You know, it's, you're out there. So, you know, it's, it's nobody's fault. It's just one of those things that happen. Um, it, it wasn't a flat tire though. It was just a little, a little gotcha. wheel failure from, from that. But it was, oh. it was, it was a mystery to, 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 yeah, to say the least, but it, um, I was happy I didn't crash. Like it was actually pretty scary at the time. Um, also I, I tried to do gravel racing to not crash, you know, I've crashed yeah, yeah. road racing. So, um, and it was really weird because I was thought I'd be done in about 20 minutes and there you are feeling inside the road for several minutes, trying to figure out how to like Jimmy rig your bike to work again. Like, because something like that wasn't a flat. It wasn't something you could kind of fix easily. So it took a little bit to figure out how to make it work to try to finish relatively safely. And luckily there wasn't a lot of technical sections left. So that was good. Um, and, I, and I made it. I made it to the finish and, and I finished third. And I thought to myself, you know, just when you thought you'd written the story of what happened that day, which wasn't the story I'd, I'd wanted to write. You know, I wanted to write this really victorious story. And then suddenly I was, oh, I'm going to write about the second place, but this is really beautiful. And then suddenly I'm like, and that there's another chapter that I didn't want to write, but now I'm getting third and that's completely okay too. And I actually smiled a lot in those last couple of miles, considering my bike was still rolling. I could see the fit, you know, I could see downtown at that point. I thought I could actually probably run it, you know, like I, (laughs) I think I've got a solid 10 minutes, you know, I think I could probably run this (laughs) if I needed to. And, um, also I got to actually kind of experience the finish line shoot and, to me, that was really beautiful. Last year, it was very stressful as a sprint finish. And this year, I I, like, I just got to slow down and kind of like smell and breathe and look around and give high fives and thank people. And I actually really got to enjoy the the vibe of the, the finish. And it kind of gives me the chill still. It was really cool to just finish. 
Um, yes, it would have been cool to win. Yes, it would have been cool to finish second. But third at this point, too, I was really relieved. It was over. Yeah. I, 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 I'd been suffering a lot longer than I ever could imagine, suffering being just the way I felt that day. And to, to be able to finish and actually really feel genuine joy was, was nice. Like, yes, I was, you know, disappointed, but not really. You're just really freaking happy to be finished. Uh, you're happy to be safe and enjoy kind of the gratitude, like kind of felt so much gratitude to the community out there and to the race promoters and my sponsors and my family, my friends. Like I went through this really like kind of beautiful moment. So not to sound too hippie about it, but no, it, was, awesome. it was a pretty powerful, awesome. it was a pretty powerful finish. That's a great story. Um, That's a great story, Allison. <laughs> and uh, will you keep coming back? Is this going to be a regular event for you? Oh, my goodness. I told them. I said, if you guys weren't so nice, I wouldn't come back. No, but, right? <laughs> I mean, you get a big hug from Jim and Leland at the end, and, you know, Christy had a heck of a ride, and and you, you finish it, and you're going, goodness gracious, you guys are so nice. Of course I'm going to come back, but, like, give me a second to process this. Yeah. But I, I, I plan to come back. I mean, it took me a – I knew I was going to come back. I, I don't have that negative, like, oh, no, that was way too hard. Like, I love it. And, and frankly, I love the way my body feels afterwards. Like, I love being wrecked. Like, I love That's pushing awesome. myself to these limits. And you, it sounds like 12 hours is a long time on the bike, but I don't know if you can agree with me on this, but it, it goes by so quickly, so slowly, too. But somehow, yeah, it, it like, goes by so quickly until – you you, t- you mentioned the 165. There's that one, there's a dark period that I think is unavoidable, right? And I don't find yeah. that goes by quickly, but then it goes by quickly again. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful community. And now, I mean, to be able it's to support, amazing. yeah, yeah, to be able to support, like, this vibe, I think they're doing everything right. And, and somebody asked me in an interview, like, afterwards, like, you know, what could they do better? And I was like, do more of them, but you don't want more of them. You know, you only want it to be this one event and I don't ever want to ride that distance more than once a year. Like it's, it's so long and it's so hard, but I really just think that it's such a cool test of physical and mental and emotional and, you know, equipment like event yet. It's not terrifying. Like I think some of these events, they put in these, you know, crazy things that you physically can't do or your equipment right, right. physically, you know, literally can't do. And this event is, it's very doable. Like, you know, the roads are safe. The, you know, you're, yes, it's, it's trying and yes, it's all this, but it's not like they're making you do rock garden jumps or something, right, you know, right. like it's, it, it's very rhythm, rhythmic and monotonous and gorgeous and you can break it up. And, you know, hopefully the people out there are just having fun. I mean, at the time I did look at somebody, like somebody I was riding with between a hundred and, yeah, I think it was, I think it was Jake. I, I, I looked at him between 165 and 185 and he's like, this isn't fun. I was like, nope, not at all. Not yep, fun. Yep. Not fun. Nope. <laughs> no, no, no postcard, you know, no postcard sent from this moment. I hate this moment so much. Where was and, the chase lounge? Was it in that, was it in the darkness or no? Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was like a mile, like 180, like 180 okay. something. And I'm like, I darkness. couldn't stop. I mean, bless their hearts. Like I was cramping so bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, just moving my ankles to like unclip out of my pedals, I was like, that's going to cause my calf to cramp. Oh yeah. And no. at, that, <laughs> at that point, I'm like, I just want second. Like I want second or maybe, maybe Katie's cramping. Maybe she's cramping. You know, you're thinking right, about right. these things, you know? And I was like, I just want second. And then, you know, it turns to be third, but that's okay. I, the chase lounge was really cute, but I looked at Jake that I was riding with then. And I said, sorry, I'm not feeling it. He goes, nope, not feeling it. Like we had nothing nice to say to each other. We don't even know <laughs> each other, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I follow no, him on totally Instagram now because we were we were definitely having a party out there because we had nothing nice to say, you know, like 
we are started navigating each other. You know, he's like, how much longer on this stretch? 4.7, 4.6, 4.5. You know, when you're going 15 miles an hour, that actually takes a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> it <was> so slow. <laughs> Um, we started offering each other food, you know, um, but when I had my mechanical, he didn't wait for me. I was like, thanks for leaving me for dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at that point, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I know. He kind of looked back. Yeah, I think she's okay. Yeah, she'll be fine. <laughs> I was like, There's a thousand me. other people behind her. They'll help her. <laughs> yeah. Leave me, you know, just leave yeah. me for dead. At that point, no, I was like, save yourself, please. You know, it's funny what, where you go in your head in this point, like, Last year, I, I used a lot of these mantras, you know, that you guys taught me, you and Rebecca. And like I said, I, for the listeners, uh, Celine gave me a mantra last year that said, forward progress, take care of yourself. And I, I now say that in all my talks and all my <laughs> – and I say it in my life a lot. It's, I think it's really beneficial because you do get caught up in, in these long events, of course. You know, things are happening, whether, you know, you're lit, you're cramping, you don't feel well, you got dropped or – or you're feeling awful or whatever the feeling is. And, and if you just keep moving forward, like check in, that you are making forward progress and finding the positive in that, regardless if it's the speed or where you want to be or anything like that, just say, that's actually positive, Allison. Are you pedaling your bicycle forward? And then, then I check in now. Okay, cool. You're pedaling your bicycle forward. Well done. You know, that doesn't take rocket science. Yep. And then like, are you taking care of yourself now? Because to continue to pedal your bike forward, you need to take care of yourself. So I, yep. you know, take a big swig for my Camelback. I take a gel, even though that's like the last thing you want. And you want, you know, Kansas City barbecue. Like you eat your gel, you keep moving forward and like taking care of yourself to then ultimately finish the day. And just to finish is successful. But I've actually used that in, in my life now. And I'm not trying to get too analytical about it, but you're really stressed with work. You're trying to balance training and life and family and obligations and commitments. And I go, okay, Allison, like, are you moving forward to like ultimately who you want to be? Are you moving forward to like what your career goals are? Are you moving forward? Okay. Yes. Okay. That's positive. Now, are you taking care of yourself? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you hanging out with your family enough and the people you love the most? Are you being nice to people? Are you being yeah, nice yeah. to yourself? You know, and I've really like taken that to heart in so many ways because I tend to take on a lot. I have a full-time job. I try to race my bike full-time and, you know, work for my sponsors and these partnerships I have. And I have a lot on my plate and I tend to overcommit and run around and chase my tail and feel like a pinball half the time because also I want to do a really good job and I'm a perfectionist. So I had to check in like, okay, but are you still moving forward to what you ultimately want to do? And then that helps me also scratch things off the list that aren't helping my ultimate goal or ultimate, like what I want to be. And then taking care of myself is finding that life balance, like not cutting out the things that matter most. And no, that's not definitely don't cut out wine and don't cut out bourbon (laughs) (laughs) and, and don't cut out spending time with your family. Even if that means you train less, you know, like cut out, cut out the things that aren't taking care of yourself and like those that you love. And then you are moving forward. So that's a lesson I've learned. (laughs) Awesome. I think that we can leave it there. Those are wonderful words of wisdom uh, from Dirty Kansas Third. (laughs) (laughs) Allison Detrick. Um, It's been a complete pleasure talking to you. Oh, thank you for having me so much. I mean, it's a huge honor. I'm I'm a big fan um, of you guys. And of course, you know, just being able to kind of find the emotional mental side of things, you know, we can geek out on bike equipment all we want, which is so cool, but finding like how we find mental strength and life balance and, you know, a lot of, a lot of satisfaction through riding our bikes and finding that emotional connection is awesome. Excellent. 
I want to thank my guest, Allison Tetrick, for taking the time out of her recovery process to share her awesome race recap with me. I hope you enjoyed it.